Shalom. Our topic for tonight is how should an Ashkenazi lead prayers in a Svardi synagogue? Uh, in other words, you have an Ashkenazi chazan in a Svaradi Beit Knesset, and uh, we'll be we'll be guided by Rav Shlomo Zalman Auerbach's um, uh, uh, Piske Halacha that are recorded uh, in the Sefer Halicho Shlomo, which is uh, put together by by one of his descendants. Uh, I spoke to somebody who's a nephew of the of the um, of the author and. Uh, and uh, he says, as far as you know, it's very, it's very, uh, very reliable, very credible. There's a number of books out on on Rishlam Azaman's Piskei but this is uh, supposed to be considered considered uh, great. And it's uh, it is it seems to be very well researched, including a lot of written uh, correspondence that he had with Talmudim. Uh, a couple words on Rosalma Zalman Auerbach. I had this close of being at his funeral. There were hundreds of thousands of people there. Um, I think the estimate is 300,000 people. Uh, it was it was a sign of how much he was loved by all of Klal Yisrael. That was, in its time, uh, un unprecedented. It was it was uh, it was an awesome awesome occasion. And there was a gathering really of of of, of many different uh, uh, wings of Klal Yisrael together. Uh, that was a testimony to what kind of a connection he had with all the Jewish people and all the Jewish people had with him. Uh, he was uh, virtually unknown to the press. And that is extremely striking. Uh, uh, here's this here's this Levi of hundreds of thousands of people, and they did not really know who exactly this person was. Uh, that was striking because he very studiously kept out of political affairs, um, and uh, despite a lot of of, uh, of pressure. And um, I I'd just like to share two other things about him. Uh, number one, uh, he is, in my eyes, one of the greatest examples of an ish halacha, a man of halacha, somebody whose life is is guided and and was devoted to how Hashem wants us to live, um, and and a person who looks at the world through the prism of halacha. That's one thing. A second thing is, if this is a further uh, 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 testimony, proof uh, to the the almost axiom that the the more humble the person, the greater he is. And uh, in if you look in Jewish history and you look at the greatest of our greatest. We see this extreme humility. Obviously, it kind of starts with most Rabbeinu was the most humble of all men, and he was the greatest prophet of all time. And those two things are go together because if a person is not uh uh if it is is not full of ego, so he he allows space for so to speak for Akodesh Baruch Hu to 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 totally be able to reveal himself to him. Um uh, 
Uh, but if you look through the generations, people like Rabbi Kiva Eger, uh, people like the Chovetz Chaim, uh, people like Ramosha Feinstein, and, and obviously Rav, Rav Shlomo Zalman Arbach that we're speaking about now, uh, that that in many ways their main uh, mida was this was this extreme extreme humility, and that that and that was something that that really gave them this this extremely special greatness. Uh, and obviously, you have to be totally devoted to halacha, and you have to be uh, bright, etc. All these things, but but it, it could be that the the first and foremost was that was that uh, humility. Um, let's go to our source. Uh, the question is as follows: Let's say you have somebody who's an Ashkenazi, and he's the chazan. He's the Shleich Tzibur. He's leading the prayers in a in a minion of Sfaradim. And first, for simplicity's sake, let's talk about Sfaradim, Edota Mizrach, people from Morocco, people from Iraq, people from 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 North Africa, uh, uh, etc. And that is a very uh, realistic scene um, in 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 modern Israel, though. Uh, the natural choice of a chazan in a in a Sephardi synagogue uh, it, it is not going to be the one Ashkenazi. On the other hand, uh, it could be that a person, let's say, a person has a yurt site, and he lives in a neighborhood where there's a Sephardi shul, and on his yurt site, uh, the yurt site he has for his father, mother, what have you, so he 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 becomes the shleich tzibur. This doesn't just happen in you know in Jerusalem; it can happen anywhere. So so what does he do? And uh, the two issues that come to come to mind are what nusach does he daven, and then that splits into two: what nusach does he daven in his uh, in his out loud shmonesri that he does for the whole tzibur, and what nusach does he daven when he prays privately? Number two: what pronunciation does he use? So, so let's see what he says. Uh, somebody who is leading the prayers on behalf of the congregation, well, he is sent by the tzibur. He should daven according to the to the uh, to the nusach um, according to the the text of the tefila of the tzibur. And in every shul, they should set a a set prayer, a set based on the majority of the people that are davening in that shul, that the shlich tzibur are going to daven in. Um, now, uh, so he's very clear. You are the shlich of the tzibur, and therefore you should daven on behalf of them. This continues in the next one. Uh, if somebody uh, is the is the one leading the prayers, over he's passing in front of the front of the uh, the the uh, the the teva, so that's he's standing in front of the 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 Aaron. 
uh, or he's getting an aliyah, meaning he's leading the prayers, or he's getting an aliyah Torbavitkanesadim. It seems that ideally he should say according to their pronunciation, because he is their he is the one they're sending. So he's supposed to be representing them. So he is supposed to speak the way it is is relevant for them to speak. And the same thing should be true if in the flip side, if there's a Svaradi in the Ashkenazic shul. And uh and still uh if they don't do it that way, that that way which which he sees as ideal, uh the people that listen still fulfill their obligation, even if he said according to his own pronunciation, um and this is even the case for Parshat Zachor. Blinetta will dwell on that a little later on. Now, what about the silent prayer? So there is a tshuva of Rav Moshe Feinstein, who says, and it's in it's in uh, it's in Igris Moshe Chelik Bet Orachaim Simon Chavtet, and he writes to Rav David Khan Shlita. He says he says what you heard in my name. That I said that if the Tzibur is davening in himself, he davens Nusach Svard. And he's the Chazin in a shul where the Tzibur is davening Nusach Ashkenaz, or vice versa. So when he davens silently, he should pray, he should pray according to the Nusach, according to the text of the Tfilah, that they're davening, that the Tzibur is davening. Why? Because when the when the Shliach Sibur davens silently, the the goal of that tefillah, his real tefillah is the tefillah that he's going to be doing out loud. But the tefillah that he's doing silently is just to prepare himself, lehastir et advarim, to, to make sure that everything is is in order. He shouldn't uh, stumble when he speaks and he should speak clearly. So he should be, he's preparing his, his future davening. So, uh, so says says Rabbi Shavadzi, What you heard is true. What you heard is true. That's accurate. Um, he really holds that way, and and therefore it follows that if you're in a nusach svard shul and you're you daven nusach ashkenaz, so even though you daven nusach ashkenaz and you're going to be daven nusach ashkenaz in in uh, in the uh, yeah, out loud. You should also daven according to Rav Moshe Feinstein, Nusach uh, Ashkenaz silently, and vice versa. If you're davening Nusach um, Ashkenaz out loud, even though you usually daven Nusach Svart, so you should do the the Ashkenaz in the silent prayer. Now, um, that's what he said. Anything. This doesn't not only applies to the silent prayer. But um, excuse me. That's uh, uh, he he quotes from Moshe Feinstein. That's what we just read. Ulam nir Nowadays, that we're praying from the sitter in the kashel You shouldn't be worried that you're going to mess up with your with your uh, with your 
verbal davening, lachain bechagonda in this kind of a situation, sali bechach she istakel b'shat filato b'lachash b'sidur shekvinusach atzibur v'yitene libo kol hashinuim sheyesh beneu. A person should pay attention to all the changes that he's going to have to make, but he could daven b'achar kachit balel mitocho b'kol. Then he'll daven out loud. So according to Rav Rav Moshe Feinstein, you should daven uh, silently the way you're going to daven out loud for the tzibur, according to Rav, Rav uh, Shlomo Zalman, that doesn't apply nowadays uh, because nowadays we daven out of a sitter. That, he said, was written um, uh, was was written up by one of the Talmud. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And he writes that Rav uh, Rav Shlomo Zalman himself, when he was in this situation, would daven his own nusach uh, silently, and then he would daven uh, uh, the nusach of the tzibur out loud. Um, it's interesting. He says not only does this apply to the Shmon uh, Balachas, but any of the things where it's not uh, recognizable that you're changing, you can do your own nusach. So for instance, in uh, in Mariv, let's say uh, you're in Chutzlaretz and they say, Baruch Hashem Le'olam Amen V'Amen, and they don't, uh, and you're not used to saying that, or you're, you daven nusach ha-gra, I think they don't say, Baruch Hashem Le'olam Amen V'Amen, even in Chutzlaretz. So you can skip the bracha if it won't be recognizable. Meaning, if somehow you're able to to get away with it without anybody noticing it, so that's point number one. That um, even though it seems clear that when you're in a in a in a shul, you daven uh, the nusach of the shul, but privately that seems to be a machlokas rav rav uh, rav Moshe Feinstein uh, zatzal and Rosh Lamazaman zatzal that that Rav Moshe Feinstein says you should daven the nusach of your of your uh, of your shul of the shul you're davening in, whereas Rav Rav, uh, Rav Shlomazaman says that's not applicable nowadays because we have sidurim. Uh, now, just a little bit of interesting hashgacha. I was just speaking the morning before I decided to do this piece. I was just speaking with a friend who is now in his in his year of Avelos, and he is davening uh, for the tzibur, and he himself davens nusach Ashkenaz, but he frequently davens in nusach Svardshul, and then he he davened in a nusach Ashkenaz shul. As a as a as an exceptional case, usually he is an Ash, he's a nusach Ashkenaz private person davening in a nusach svard shul and being the chazan in a nusach svard shul. So he's getting used to all the different uh, nuances of 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 nusach svard when he davens in public. And then when he davens in uh, when he was davening in a nusach Ashkenaz shul, he had to watch himself so he didn't accidentally say the other stuff. It's very easy to get uh, mixed up. So, uh, so this again, the principle of this is two principles. Number one, when you're davening for the tzibur, you're a shliach tzibur, and therefore you're acting the way that is appropriate for them. Um, number two, when you're davening privately, conceptually, that's to make sure that you're preparing for the for the prayer, and that's what Rav Moshe Feinstein says. Rav Rav uh, Shlomo Zalman says, as long as you're prepared, you're fine.
if you just look over the sitter, you got your you 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 have it clear which things are going to be the differences. Again, that would be dependent on whether the person's going to mess up or not. Okay, now, um, uh, next, pronunciation. So uh, it is well known. Let's see where it is. Yeah, let's read in the in the in the. Uh, in the footnotes here, in footnote 67 here, and this is, this is again, this is from Halichot Shlomo, page Samech Tet in the volume on Tfila, and it's footnote 67 on that page, and there's a, a responsum that was written up that he wrote that, uh, that, that this was based on. Now, um, he says, and this is, this is written in, in the, um, in one of the biographies I saw, himself, most of the years, whenever he was a Masada Kedushin or he was at a Brismila of, of Svaradim, meaning of people from Edotam Mizrach, he would he would he would do it in Svaradi pronunciation. Okay, that's that. Now uh uh uh, point that that is uh, uh, slightly controversial. Now, uh, there is uh, the the standard pronunciations in Israel. We did this once, I think. Um, I don't know if we did it together as a chabura, but uh, Ravavadi has a long tshuva about about different pronunciations: the Ashkenazi pronunciation and the Sfaradi pronunciation and the old Iraqi and the old Yemenite pronunciation. So he writes about that at length in a, in a tshuva. Um, and, uh, and in general, so the simple thing is everybody speaks according to their tradition. Uh, somebody grew up in a uh, Galicianer family. He speaks Galicianer pronunciation. Somebody grew up in uh, in in Germany in Frankfurt, uh, or uh, or in Washington Heights, or or the like. So he so he davens with the pronunciation of the old Yakis. There's a fellow in our shul that davens mamish with Yaki pronunciation. Uh, uh, someone's uh, Litvish, someone's Chabad. You you daven with the pronunciation of the place you're from. Okay. Um, and there are many nuances amongst the the world that is referred to as the Sephardi world. The Moroccans speak slightly different than the Iraqis, and uh, uh, the Yemenites are their own world. Uh, they have a very uh, uh, old tradition of how to speak, according to the Hebrew words. Uh, parenthetically, I was once a guest. I was a, I was a guest at a, at my friend's house, and uh, I was put up in in an apartment uh nearby and the host of the apartment nearby had a kuntras which i was never able to find afterwards that that was it was it was near tor vadas this whole thing and um it was a kuntras that um was based on rav yakov kamenetsky zatzal that spoke about uh, the proper pronunciation of every letter and the proper pronunciation of every vowel. Um, uh, now, uh, that's that's all that. And so then it would follow that whatever congregation you're you're in, you should you should uh, you should say you should speak properly. Now, uh, 
just a word um uh he mentions in a footnote that if you're going to get messed up where is it yeah if you know, if you if you think you're going to mess it up and you're going to be, you're going to be mixing it up. Uh, so best to say like your pronunciation. In other words, uh, you're in a Svaradi shul and you're going to be you're going to be trying to like uh, so to speak imitate a Svaradi havara uh, pronunciation, but uh, you're not really going to do it right. It's gonna be. It's gonna be not simple. It's gonna be not simple. So, uh, so you'll end up doing something that will be uh, most most problematic, which is something that doesn't sound normal at all. Um, now, what what about with uh, with 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 Parsha Zachar? What about Parsha Zachar? So Parsha Zohar is a mitzvah d'oraisa to, according to many, 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 it's a mitzvah d'oraisa to, to read Parsha Zohar. So you would have to read it in the best possible way, the most accurate way. So um, ideally, uh, uh, Parsha Zohar, you should read according to, again, I'm paraphrasing what it says in the footnotes here, you should read it according to uh, your proper your proper pronunciation. So what about um, what about you have a shul which is very common here in Israel, and it's probably relatively common in certain places in large Jewish cities in Chutzlaretz. But if you have a group of people that comes from different places, and so you have a shul which has Svaradim Ashkenazim, Hasidish Misnagdim, uh, and within and 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 Teimanim, etc. So what do you do? So. Uh, First of all, says Rav Shlomo Zaman, don't worry, Bidiyavidir Yotze. Why? So he writes, um, The simple thing would be one of the one of the traditions of how to speak is accurate and goes back to the way we used to speak. Um, and the others, then it would follow are incorrect. So let's say for argument's sake that the old Yemenite pronunciation has been pronounced, uh, has been preserved in a way that no other pronunciation was preserved. Um, and uh, and the, the and, and by the way, the, the Yemenites not only had, uh, uh, as far as I know, that, uh, that cultural isolation uh probably just because of 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 location uh they had that piety of of continuing the masora the continuing the the tradition so many so many so many generations plus something that was not necessarily the case in other communities is that they continued to speak this Rav Kafach writes uh they continued to speak lashona kodesh they continued to speak hebrew so uh, now they didn't only speak Hebrew, they also spoke Arabic, but for learning, uh, they spoke Hebrew. So that means that 
that there's a there's much more of a preservation of the language than there would be um, uh, in other communities, and uh, and so and plus you see that specificity in the in, in Yemenite pronunciation. You see they differentiate. Uh, more than many other pronunciations. Ravavadi, I think, says the old Iraqim also uh, have that same kind of specificity. The difference between a, a chet and a chaf is common to many uh, svaradim, uh, but the difference between a, a kuf and a kaf, um, a gimel with a dot, without a dot, a dalit with a dot, without a dot, um, a, a, a samach and a sin, um, so, so that is that is very striking, um, and uh, and the same thing with the vowels. So, um, so let's say the the Yemenite was the uh, pristine, ideal, well-preserved pronunciation, and the others were mistakes. But that was the way people were davening. People were davening in Ashkenaz. People were davening in Sfarad. People davening in, in in these different places, and everybody was mispronouncing a little bit. So, what's the story? Are they all wrong? And we should all go back to to davening, uh, uh, to to pronouncing like like uh, like t like Yemenites. So there are individuals. There are lone individuals that did this. Uh, we have a tradition that that, uh, that Rav Nussan Adler got a rav uh, from from Iraq uh, to teach him how to pronounce uh, Hebrew according to the pristine pronunciation. Uh, however, and you see the the uh, the Orchashulchan writes in this in in the um, in in Hilchos Kriyatshma. If you follow your Masora, fine. If you follow uh, pristine pronunciation, fine. Uh, if you kind of want to adopt some at aspects of pristine pronunciation, then you're actually then you're coming up with your own your own new thing. Um, however, uh, says Rav Shlomo Zalman, even though one of the traditions must have been a, a uh, an error. The Ran wrote that even a messed up uh, uh, lashon is still a lashon, meaning that's that's kinuyin dorim kinedorim. According to one approach, uh, it wasn't a special language that was created for making the dorim. That's one approach in Chazal. But the other the other approach, I forget it's Rabbi Yochanan or Reish Lakish, but the other approach is is that it's it's lashonumos. There was there were they were mispronunciations of the words um, uh, korban and uh, and konam konach konas. All those languages were each one was a different uh, shibush, yet they're still considered a language. It's considered a bona fide language in your yotze. So, so not to worry if you find yourself in a shul where they pronounce things differently. Uh, you're in an Ashkenazi shul, and and uh, and you do baruch baruch baruchata baruchata, and they do buruchat. And uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, so you're Yotze. And the same thing, you're a Svaradi and you're in an Ashkenazi shul, you're an Ashkenazi and a Svaradi shul, you're Yotze. That's what Rav Shlomo Zaman said. What's the best way to do it? You have a, you have a lot of 
a lot of different people in Israel. So Rav, Rav Shlomo Zalman says in one of the footnotes here that that uh, he has Nevertheless, even though it's a mitzvah that comes once a year, since it's a mitzvah that comes once a year, why not do it in the best possible way and hear it the way your, your family tradition is? People who want to have this chumrah, they want to do the best possible way. They shouldn't do uh, in, in, that, in, the, in the same shul it's not uh, to read Parshat Zachar in a number of different pronunciations. It's not the honor of the Tzibur. That was never the custom. Now we do this in our show. We have we 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 have Parsha Zachar read with all the pronunciations afterwards, and I've seen that in other shuls. But uh, but Salman says it's not the way to do it. What's the best way to do it? To go to a shul. So if you're going, if you're in. They read it. He was he was a guest by a family who was reading it in in uh, in Sephardi pronunciation. So afterwards, go to a shul and hear it in Ashkenazi pronunciation. Again, it, it takes a little bit of logistics, um, but that's uh, but that's doable. You know, nowadays, uh, you know, uh, a Vatican minion can save you with these kind of things. Uh, uh, a late minion, whatever. Okay. Um, now, what about modern Israeli pronunciation? So, so uh, uh, he was not excited about this, and uh, and just let's let's confront what he writes here. Uh, not everybody will, will be excited about this, but I'll I'll read it. Um, the he writes shell. Uh, this is now. This is from a written tshuva that he wrote. So Ashkenazim amit palim b'havaras faradit. What about being a shliach tzibur in a shul of Ashkenazim that daven in Sfaradi pronunciation? So he says, What was what began about a hundred years ago? that the Ashkenazim should accept the Sephardi pronunciation. This was done not by people that were Shomrei Torah or Mitzvot without consulting uh, uh, the Dat Torah. Ashkenazi. So it could be that uh, that the people in his congregation, again, the Rav became a Rav in a congregation where people daven with Ash, with with modern Israeli pronunciation. So therefore, even it could be that they have to return to Ashkenazis. Uh, it's interesting, by the way. I, I used to daven sometimes in Merkaz Arav, and there were some people who, though they were very uh, religious Zionists, they would uh, they would daven in in uh, Havarash Kenazis. Rav Cook would daven obviously in, in Havarash Kenazis, but that's that's the way he grew up, and that's the way he spoke throughout his life. But uh, but 
Um, but the uh, and and there are many people who grew up with Svar with Svaradi pronunciation. Um, but uh, he says, I can't even speak about this. You shouldn't worry in those kind of cases about the the minigatsi. You should daven in those you, when you get an ali on those kind of shuls. You can daven in avarashkenazit. Because we we uh, because they change, so we should change from our tradition. It bothered her that in the the girls' schools they they would daven in in Sfaradit. But but new olim uh, from Russia who had already learned Hebrew. With Svardi pronunciation, don't bother them about about a second pronunciation. At the end of the day, uh, Svardic pronunciation is what is the spoken language. If you tell them to 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 go according to their ancestral pronunciation, they'll be totally mixed up. In those kinds of situations, the shleich tzibur should daven like the majority of the congregation. Anyways, um, that's that's. Uh, uh, Rav Solomon Zalman on a Sephardi and an Ashkenazi shul, an Ashkenazi and a Sephardi shul, daven like the Minagamakum, if you're the if you're leading the prayers. Machlokas Rav Moshe and Rav Shlomo Zalman about what you do if in in the silent prayers if you're going to be davening from a sitter not by heart anyways. Um, and the same thing Rav, Rav Shlomo Zalman famously. Would when he was Masada Kedushin for for uh, for Sfaradim, for people that were from uh, North Africa, Iraq, uh, uh, those kinds of places. So uh, he would daven in in uh, Sephardic pronunciation. Uh, your your yotze, and the reason is because you're the shaliach tzibur. You're the one who is who is davening on behalf of them. So you should daven the way that 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 they, the the rovat tzibur would daven. Um, even for parsha zocher, this applies. Even though ideally for parsha zocher, you should hear it according to your ancestral pronunciation. But uh, but your yotze, because like the Ran says, even if you're going to say that historically one of the pronunciations somehow was not accurate, but even a messed up pronunciation still is considered uh, a legitimate speech. That's what we learned from the Ran and Nador. Um, what's the best way to do it? So even though some shuls have a, uh, a multi-pronunciation Parsha Zachar, uh, Ashkenazi, Svaradit, uh, uh, Hasidish, Yemenite, and sometimes they do some of the variations. That's what we used to have, and uh, and Bezrat Hashem will probably have this year also. But Rav, Rav Shlomo Zaman felt that was not uh, that was not the way to go, uh, and he mentions uh, uh, three different things. Number one, uh, it's not Kvodat Zibur, 
and number two, uh, that was never the minug, and uh, and uh, he he also uh, he also uh, held um, uh, oh yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. There's no reason that you you don't say but he have it no matter what, uh, and. Uh, and if you want to have this hit, so go to another show for for forgetting that your 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 Havari, your pronunciation. Okay, that's what I wanted to share with you, Rav Shlomo Zalman Auerbach. I'm really considering doing a series on him. I know we spoke about doing a series on uh, that's based on Maseches Nadarim, uh, but there is some. I'm drawn by some some very nice material uh, from Rav Shlomo Zalman. And uh, and seriously considered pursuing it here. It lucked out that we got that round in the door about Kinuyim, so uh, so it did work out. Anyways, that's what I wanted to share with you. Uh, have a wonderful week.